Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this next episode of the Faith in the Outdoors podcast with Sean McVeigh. In this episode, I have a very special guest. This is Dave Rice. He is going to be actually a participant in the Map Reading Challenge this year. For those who are not familiar with the Map Reading Challenge, it's a challenge hunt that I do with some friends that I meet through my channel and things like that. We're basically hunting for about two days in public land, places that we haven't really tried before. Basically, we're looking at the maps, trying to pick out good spots, and then we're going and hunting those spots. And so, Dave, thank you for being part of the Map Reading Challenge. Also, I wanted to uh, mention I brought you one of these Dragon X8 Pro Very compound nice. bow kits. So this is for you to take. And I know you were, we had spoken before. Uh, you were maybe going to set this up for... Yeah, uh, so my, actually, I think I'm, it may set it up for my granddaughter. Yeah, your granddaughter, great. A couple of my yeah. granddaughters are interested in archery. Yes. And, so uh, that's one of the nice things awesome. about those bows is they have such an adjustment range that you could set that up for her and uh, she can get into archery. Yeah. So, um, so Dave, thank you for being part of the podcast today and for being part of the Map Ring Challenge. By the way, if anybody wants to see how we do on the Map Ring Challenge, make sure you check out my YouTube channel because we'll have some hopefully something to, to put up there to tell you if we did got anything or not. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit about faith here. And um, actually, so Dave's going to talk to us about his faith journey. Uh, and I just realized let, we should start with a prayer. Yeah. So let me go ahead and lead us in a prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for being in our lives and for giving us the opportunity to be alive. I mean, this is just a blessing that I think we cannot thank you enough for. So Lord, we worship you, we thank you, we praise you, and we ask you to guide us in this podcast. And I ask you to send the Holy Spirit on Dave to share with us what we need to hear. Let, you, let your Holy Spirit inspire us to grow in faith and our love for you. And we pray, pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, Dave, so thank you for being part of the podcast. And I'd just like to hear a little bit about your faith journey and you know where you're at how you got to be here where you're coming from and things like that sure absolutely i i, I appreciate you having me on and mm -hmm. um hopefully uh, you know we'll we'll talk about some interesting things yeah. i um you know i've been watching your uh podcasts your, your faith in the outdoors podcast and mm. uh, i've had a number, number of them talking about uh you know the the uh, differences between catholic faith and some of the other uh, christian denominations and uh, that kind of uh factors into my, my faith journey mm. when I was, uh, you know, of course, I, I was born into a Catholic family. My, okay. my parents were Catholic. We were raised Catholic. Um, you know, I went to the singing the choir and mm. all, all that stuff go, growing up. Um, and when I got to college, um, you know, I think as a lot of people do, I kind of got deflected out of my faith and, and, uh, and parted ways uh, with the Catholic faith, which um, was a, it, in the end, a sort of a traumatic time, but you know, it, it's a growing time. So, so what kind of things contributed to you deciding to just leave your Catholic faith? Well, that you kind of. I I, uh, I had I met a girl who was uh, um, who was not Catholic, and we hit it off, and we um, uh, dated for uh, maybe seven or eight months, and then we uh, ended up uh, deciding we wanted to get married, and. Uh, uh, unfortunately, as I said, she was not Catholic mm -hmm. from my po point of view, unfortunately, mm -hmm. but I, I figured, okay. So we had a number of good discussions about, you know, what the Catholic faith taught me and, mm -hmm. and what, uh, what she ended up, uh, 
you know, describing in terms of her faith. And, uh, and one of the things looking back on it was I was really not prepared mm. to have that discussion. You know, when I was growing up and, and uh, I, I don't know when you were growing up, if you felt the same way, but you know, to a large extent, my early Catholic education did not prepare me intellectually mm. to be able to, to defend my faith. Sure, yeah. I, and if I can just say just, you know, my, my education was similar. We were taught details, not, not necessarily how to well, defend it or mm -hmm. explain it in a way that made sense or where it was scripturally. We were just taught like the facts and yeah. I, so I, I relate to that very much that I couldn't have right. explained in detail, like I can now, I couldn't yeah. do it then. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as I said, you know, I've watched those podcasts and it's, if I had known now, what if I had known then what I know now from your podcast, <laughs> I would have been much better off. But sure. um, so it was, a, it was a, you know, a kind of a thing where she would, you know, say, well, you know, Catholics believe this, right? And I would say, yeah. And then she said, but here in the Bible, it says this. And she would mm -hmm. kind of just kind of walk me through it. I was like, well, how, how could we possibly be so far wrong? This mm -hmm. is just crazy. So eventually I said, well, I guess I'm going to just start going to your church because it makes sense to do that. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so we did that. And um, uh, the thing that kind of turned me back around mm -hmm. was, uh, interestingly, I, I, I went home to uh, tell my parents that we were going to be engaged. Mm. And I told them that and they said, oh, is she converting to be a Catholic? And I said, uh, no, actually I've left the church. <laughs> and well, <laughs> that didn't go over so well. Right. And surprisingly to me, my father was uh, the big part of, of that change. And my father and I were always very close. Mm. And, uh, but I never really thought of him as a religious man and mm. he, um, was your dad a cradle Catholic? No, he wasn't actually. He uh, he was a convert, mm. and he he converted in uh, when he was about college age, mm. and uh, I think it was when he he met my mother, mm. and they uh, he ended up converting to Catholicism. And I never realized because he was a very private mm. person in terms of his faith. I mean, I've heard him pray before, and he'd right. go to church every Sunday, but. You know, he just never, I always figured he'd be, ah, yeah, whatever, it's all good. Right. Wasn't that way at all. Mm -hmm. So he basically sat me down for an hour or two and just mm -hmm. said, you know, you don't understand what your faith is. You don't understand what you're giving up. You mm -hmm. don't understand. Before you make a decision like this, you need to do the research. You need to figure out mm -hmm. why the Catholic Church is what it is and what it does and all that stuff. And it, it really shocked me. Mm -hmm. And it led me to, you know, a, a period of time, a few weeks or a month where I was, you know, soul searching and I was mm. doing, you know, what reading I could to try and um, figure out which end was up. Right. And I find eventually I came to the conclusion, no, wait a minute, the Catholic Church, mm. you know, does have the, the you know, the fullness, the fullness of, of truth. truth. Yeah. And so we, we ended up, uh, I ended up actually breaking up with her mm. and uh, went on to uh, really embrace my faith mm. and become much more even more involved than I have been. Right. And, uh, you know, if I can interject here, too, um, like everyone in our lives, you know, participates in our journey. And what a blessing that relationship was because it challenged you enough to look deeper. And so I just want to point that out, you know, like we don't ever want people to be looked at negatively. Oh, this person wasn't Catholic or whatever. That's that's not what we're about. And we can see the blessing in that. Like this person 
inspired you in this situation to grow deeper in your faith, deeper than you were before. And so you were better off at because of that relationship as far as your faith. And um, so I just interject that for people out there because I get a lot of comments on these podcasts and stuff, and sometimes they get a little bit attacking. And I put my foot down. I and and I've even even last night was my 30-year high school reunion, and um, I had a couple conversations of faith. And um, when someone goes off the truth, I I just put my foot down and I'm not moving off of it, yeah. even if it means we have an uncomfortable conversation, and people think, oh, every you know we should all just get along. Well, that's not actually how Jesus was. He didn't just let the Pharisees think whatever they wanted. He would correct them and hold his foot there. And it didn't end politely. Like, well, for your relationship, it ended. Yeah. And, 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 I, and uh, you know, I should say, she was a very nice person. Right. She was very faith-filled. You know, I, I, it was just that I knew that I couldn't leave my faith and mm-hmm. that I couldn't you know, right. stay with her because she wasn't going to change from her faith either. Right. So, um, so I don't. I never harbored her any ill will at all. Yeah. It was just the, the the situation. But as you said, it was a blessing in my life in or, in terms of deepening my faith mm-hmm. and deepening my yeah. intellectual curiosity about the faith. And you know, and I want to point something out too for all of our listeners, is that you, that's an example of keeping the Lord as the priority over a relationship. Now, you use the word my faith, you know, the words my faith, but really what that means is your relationship with God. So when we talk about the Catholic faith, that's the vehicle through which we grow in our relationship with God. The Catholic Church teaches us the truths that have been passed on from Jesus to the apostles till now, and we follow that to grow in that relationship. So when we talk about our faith, I'm just saying this for our listeners, what we really are saying is that the avenue through which we grow closer to Jesus is through the Catholic Church. It's our ship to get us to shore, you know. So anyhow, so please continue. I'm sorry, I just wanted to yeah, no, that's that, yeah. So, so that, that was, that's, you know, kind of where we ended up. Then I, you know, a, a year or so later, I met my my current wife, my yeah. only wife. Yeah. <laughs> and, Praise uh, the Lord. <laughs> yeah, this indeed. And uh, we've had a wonderful uh, many, you know, 40, 43 years Praise now. God. And uh, we are, uh, you know, have a have a great relationship, and we have we share the faith, and we, yeah. uh, you know, we do uh, Bible studies every day, and you know, it's nice to have somebody that shares your faith, and you can, yeah. you know, you can share all things yeah. like that. So, you know, and one of the things that came up too in some of the conversations I had last night, and we've kind of touched on it in this conversation so far, and what you've shared is that one of the, I'd say, shortcomings of the Catholic Church is not the teachings themselves, but how they've been delivered. So you and I were taught sort of a textbook, this is right, this is wrong version, and we didn't really, we didn't really see the relationship in there. There is a relationship, but it's not, it wasn't presented clearly in that way, and I think that's one of the things that's hurt the Catholic Church so like when I talk about the Eucharist, I really get into it with people. And this is the, we believe this is Jesus and I'm taking Jesus into my body. This is profound, like mind blowing. You're taking the body of God into your body, which means the body of God becomes one with your body. That's like, I can't even comprehend the, so that's the relationship right there. That's what's happening when we go to Holy Communion. That's what we believe. 
And Catholics uh, in general don't necessarily grasp that. It's, it's a little bit more textbook type in the presentation. And so they don't see that profound relationship that's present right there. And so when you were saying your dad said, you don't know what you're leaving, that's what, a lot of people who leave the Catholic Church, they don't know what they're leaving. Yes. Because the, the Lord Jesus, I mean, those listening, and I, and I say this all the time, I, I can't believe how much I say it. I, I, when I started this podcast, I didn't expect it to come up so much. But um, picture two people next to each other, and one person eats a piece of bread, and the other person eats a piece of God's body. And everything that we eat comes, becomes part of our body, physically. That's, that's how we got to be from a baby to the size we are as an adult. And it's like, wow. So if I'm a Catholic and I'm eating the body of God, that means this, if someone grabs my arm, they're grabbing a body that's fully united with Jesus Christ, physically. And it's just like, woohoo! That, you know, you, that, anyone listening, go send, pause this thing and go ponder that for a while. But that's, folks, that's where, that's where the Catholic Church, I think, has, has not done the best job. And that's part of what I feel like I want to do with my life is help the church present. And that's what the new evangelization is. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's, it's taking the teachings of the faith, the ancient teachings, and presenting them in a new and inspiring way that will really, truly, well, I use the word inspiring there. I'm going to use it again. That will inspire people in, to grow in, in their faith. So, so here you are. You're, you're at this stage in your life where you're doing Bible studies and things like that. In the context of that faith journey, like um, ha, in these Bible studies, have they encouraged you to say, hey, take what you just learned and go share it with other people? Has that been part of... Um. Not too much. I mean, we, we, we actually did a Bible study um, for a while at our church that was right. really good. The, the, uh, there was a nun and a, and, a, right. and a priest who were doing it together, and they did a super job. Yeah. And uh, so that really lit us on fire yeah. for, for learning a lot more about Scripture. And then uh, we did that for a couple of years. They were primarily looking at the New Testament, which was great, and it was really a really um, uh, deep, study yeah, in the yeah. in the New Testament but we also wanted to learn some Old Testament too yeah. and so what we what we ended up doing is we ended up doing the uh, Bible, Bible in a year yeah, with Father great. Mike that was phenomenal yeah. we've we're a second time through right now nice. we're, we're not quite quite through yet but um, but that's a really good way to uh, kind of get to see yeah. the whole thing and get some commentary yeah. on the thing and you get, and you get to see how the Old Testament and the New Testament feed on each other and yeah. how they're, there's a lot of presaging of yeah. what's going to happen in the New Testament. It's really very interesting. To me. And so for those who heard him mention that, I'll just you know, bring a little more detail in. The Bible in the Year is a podcast with Father Mike Schmitz put out by Ascension Press. It is very good. Another great resource, and I mentioned this in my book, Become a Better Archer and Use It to Avoid Sinning, is the Bible Timeline developed by Jeff Cavins. And that's actually where the whole Bible in the Year kind of launch padded off from what I understand, but that's a, um, a Bible study series with videos and all oh, great information in there. And it goes from the beginning of the Old Testament all the way through to the New Yeah, and I'm going to put in a plug for your book too, because okay. that book was really good. The, the, the archery the, one? Yep, oh, absolutely. Okay. The second half of that book was the most concise in, in full explanation of Catholic belief that I've ever read. And, uh, you know, I've read a lot. It, it was just very well done. Your writing is really good. Thank you. It, uh, I, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, it's a sleeper. I mean, I'm a nobody. <laughs> I, I mean, I got a little YouTube channel, but nobody knows who I am. And that book, like, it, I, 
Yeah, when I when that book, I spent a lot of hours re refining that and really sharpening it and sharpening it and sharpening it and sharpening it again and again. I I read that book about three hundred times at least, <laughs> just to sharpen it, you know, and um, get every word razor sharp. And yeah, did you hear the word sharp in there? Because I did yeah. say it. no. Anyhow, but yeah, so I. I, I know what's in that book and I'm like amazed, not because, not, it's not because of me, it's because of what God did through this little person that I am, like I'm blown away. Like I don't, I can't take the credit because it's just, the, it's God, man, it's all God. Like when I look at that, I'm like, Lord, that was you right there. That was amazing what you just did. And um, just there's just some some unique things in there that the Catholic Church hasn't had in the church and that the way that I used archery to bring it in and the way that I use archery to help the reader see ways that they need to change uh, because hey I got to change and I've got to learn how to change and archery actually has helped me see those some of those ways anyhow it, it was it was neat and and so I hope that someday it takes off and I mean uh, there's probably been about maybe 40 or 50 people who have bought the book so far. I don't know how many, not, not a lot, but, um, but you're one of them. So thank you for checking it out. Yeah, I really think it's a neat book. And it may be a better archer too. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so that's good. That's good. And uh, you read my other book and apparently, well, yes. we're going to talk about the, the uh, outdoors in a little bit here. We don't want to jump into don't that jump just yet. Okay. But you can, we can, you can tell us your, what's, you know, some of, the, some of the things you were telling me earlier. Anyhow, yeah. staying on the faith journey right now, um, do, do you as a, as a Catholic, a cradle, well, for the most part, cradle Catholic, you, you stepped away for a short time. Um, do you try to find opportunities? And I'm sorry to put you on the spot, by the way, because if the answer is no, I don't want you to feel bad. But okay. do you f look for ways to share Catholicism with other people in your daily life? I do, I do, yeah. and, and you know, some of it is, you know, I always, I always like uh, the uh, St. Francis, I believe it was St. Francis mm -hmm. quote where it says, um, evangelize, evangelize always, always and use words as necessary. necessary. Yeah, yep. Yes, yes. That so, is attributed to St. Francis. Yeah, but I don't know if he actually it's, wrote Yeah, it, but, he, he yeah. didn't actually coin it, but yeah, they, they often attribute yeah, it. But it's a, it's, a, it's a good expression, yeah. and, I, and, I, and I do, uh, you know, I try to, of course, try to live my life right. in, in a way that uh, inspires other people. Yeah. But I also don't hesitate to, yeah. you know, to attribute to the Lord what is the Wait, Lord's. And well, do you, do you find as someone who's grown up in the Catholic faith, were you always that way? Were you always looking for opportunities to share? No, I was very private I in my faith. Yeah, I was not. Yeah. Yeah. I was afraid to talk about Jesus. Yeah. And I just want to interject as a, as a lifelong Catholic I didn't start to really find joy, like ongoing joy in my faith until I started to share my faith. And so there's a lot of Catholics out there who are going through the motions or they go to church every week, but they don't have a, a life and a joy in their faith. And it's really stems from their, their not willingness to share their faith. It's because it's they're actually a little bit afraid. So they're living in this little prison of fear. So the Holy Spirit isn't really blasting through and flowing. And so there's that, there is that element of their life that's missing, and it's, and it's because they don't share their faith. And so those of you who are listening, especially those of you who are Catholic, um, maybe you feel like, I don't know my faith, so I don't even know how to talk about it. First of all, look for your loving relationship with Jesus. Okay, and once you connect with that, once you connect with a love for Jesus, then you realize how loved you are, and you just want everyone to have that. 
It's as simple as telling people that God loves them. I mean, it doesn't have to be a major like apologetics conversation. It can simply be, hey, do you know God loves you? <laughs> you are really special to God. And you know, you just smiled and giggled because you felt the joy just from me saying and looking at you. And that's what happens, folks. Nobody ever told me that before. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there will actually be people who will re respond that way. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, sharing your faith is sharing your love for the Lord. It's that simple. It doesn't have to be quoting this and quoting that. Now, hopefully you get to a point where you, you like you were in a situation that kind of forced you in a sense to do some digging into the faith and get to know it better. So hopefully those of you who are listening, you'll get to that point too, where you're going to try to, you know, go deeper and know your faith better. And so, um, anyhow, but you have to start. And like me, I just started that like way. I just explained, Hey, I, I know God loves me and I know God loves you and I want you to know God loves you. And, and if I'm the only one here to tell you, then I'm going to tell you, you know. And so those of you who are listening, just pick one person today, just one person. It could be anybody. It could be a spouse, a friend, a child. Just look at him and say, hey, do you know that the Lord Jesus loves you? And let it let that be the starting point. It's that easy. Just pick one person. Please think of them right now and then find an opportunity to go and tell them that. And today will be your launch pad into a life of sharing your faith. So let's see how we're doing on time. We got a little bit more time. So as you think about your faith journey going forward, what are some of the things, what are focal points for you now, David? Well, uh, there's, there's a number of things. You know, we, I, uh, I'm an engineer, um, mm. scientist engineer, I, and I've had, I've had uh, you know, many, many years of, you know, I, I'm an electrical engineer, so all of my, uh, work involves physics and, physics and chemistry science and, and science yeah. and all that stuff. So, you know, for me, uh, growing up, one of the things that I always thought was, you know, all those miracles, eh, there's probably a rational scientific explanation for mm -hmm. all of that. And uh, one, of the things that I, one of the things that I've come to, to see over time is that there are things that science can't explain mm -hmm. and that is, is truly miraculous. And uh, I was over in Spain on a business trip one time and had a few extra hours and I stumbled into a church that happened to have an exhibit on the Shroud of Turin, nice. which was really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, they had a, a whole bunch of the scientific work that was done on the Shroud. And, and let me interject for those who might not be familiar, the Shroud of Turin is believed to be the burial cloth of Jesus Christ. Um, and so, I mean, of course, there's there's debates on whether it is or not, um, but there's a lot of a lot of support that it could very well yeah, be. Absolutely. So that's what he's referring to. So it's yeah. the the burial so, cloth of Jesus. Yep. So I, I I've actually done a lot of looking yeah. into that, reading about that, and uh, I mean, and the the image on it is is a phenomenal image. There's nobody who can recreate that image even today. There was some, uh, you know. A lot of people were saying, well, it was just a medieval forgery, mm -hmm. but the, uh, there's nobody today even could yeah. do that. And there's a whole bunch of, I mean, if, you, if you're interested in it, yeah. go look it up. There's a lot yeah. of really interesting stuff about that. But, uh, you know, one, one of the things that, uh, <clears throat> you know, that was, you know, interesting to me about that was, well, like, for example, a lot of people will say, oh, the, they carbon dated that and it came out for the 11th century right. or something like that. But there's been a lot of work looking at the carbon dating process mm -hmm. that was used. And it turns out there was a whole bunch of things that weren't done correctly right. on that. So, uh, but if you look at that, the, the miraculous nature of that, you know, that uh, garment, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And, mm -hmm. 
And I've seen a number of other, you know, that I've know of a number. Of course, I, you, you're probably, I'm sure you're aware of the, you know, the un uncorruptibles, the yeah, uh, saints right. who have who have died, whose bodies don't decay. Yeah, uh, there's, you know, the Eucharistic miracles mm -hmm. where Eucharist has turned into an actual flesh, flesh yeah. you know, heart muscle. Um, and there's and there have been scientific uh, mm -hmm. investigations of those yeah, things. Yeah, my favorite Eucharistic miracle is Lanciano, Italy. So you look it up, people. It was in the eighth century. A priest was doubting, saying mass, and the host turned into flesh. And in the 1970s, 1980s time period, they did scientific testing on it, and they found that it was representative of living, not dead, but living flesh, first of all, and that it was human heart tissue, which, which blew my mind, because when I always thought about the Eucharist being the body of Christ, I would think of like a piece of skin from his arm. But when I learned that, Jesus is giving us his heart in the Eucharist. That's profound. And you are supposed to become what you eat. You ever hear that saying, you are what you eat? Think about eating the, the loving heart of Jesus. That's, a, that's a, I mean, we have not lived up to that, us, uh, all of us Catholics. And we have a lot, to, a lot that, that should inspire us. So anyhow, yeah. continue. And you were, you were mentioning about that element of not believing in miracles. So yeah, how did that yeah. fit into so, that? I mean, th that was one of those things where y you look at that and that was clearly miraculous. And yeah. there's no scientific explanation for how it could have been done at this point. Right. And, and there's other things like that that have happened and like the Eucharistic miracles, right. and, uh, you know. Um, and so, f you know, one, one of the things that happened to me personally um, about, uh, I don't know, it was probably about five years ago, I was uh, having a problem with my jaw where mm -hmm. I, I was, you know, I was, my jaw got injured somehow mm -hmm. and I was constantly in pain, mm -hmm. could hardly eat because it was so painful. And I was about to go to the doctor and uh, I w happened to be at a, uh, um, a, a meeting of, uh, of a group of people who were, who were uh, uh, it was uh, uh, missionaries of the Heart of Jesus, which mm -hmm. is a, a, a religious order that has, a, it's a small order and they have, um, you know, they have, a, uh, they do a lot of work in Haiti and stuff like that. But anyway, they were having a, a prayer service where they were basically doing some healings. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, you know, that, that's probably not gonna work for me, but we'll, let's try it out yeah. and see. So they, I had him, the, the one guy who was doing it prayed over me, and when he took his hands away, it was, it was gone. The pain was gone. It never came back. Mm. It was oh, astounding. Yeah. And, and interestingly, as he was praying over me, I was thinking, this is never going to work. Mm. And then I said, you know, Jesus, help me with my unbelief. Mm -hmm. And then he takes his hands away, yeah. and it was all better. And, and so there was a double miracle. It was a miracle first for your jaw, but also for your faith. Yes. Because yes. you were, you were just, you prayed, help my unbelief, you know, Lord help my faith. And he gave you, because you, you mentioned to me earlier that you believe in that because, you know, God brought you to be able to, yeah. you know, before you, with that scientific mindset of, you know, oh, you know, that stuff is, there's got to be an explanation. Now you've experienced firsthand, yeah. like, wow, God has miraculous power and yeah. he can, like the clip of a finger, he could do it for anybody. You know, so Absolutely. that's amazing. Absolutely. Well, Dave, I want to thank you for sharing all that with us. Uh, that's very powerful stuff. Those of you who are listening, a uh, couple themes there that I would like you to think about is, you know, see, notice how there's, this is, we're all on a journey and all the people in our lives have significance. And he had a relationship with a girl who loves Jesus and challenged him in his faith and he grew out of it. So. Um, I, I just I really felt it's important to point that out because so often 
Catholicism versus non-Catholicism. It just seems like it, it seems to go into arguments because I get it. I get pretty beat up with with people's comments and stuff. But um, but you know what? It's there's value in it all. God works through it all to bring good for those who love Him. So so anyhow, it, there's positive in every relationship there, and it challenges us. It should challenge us to go deeper. And so if if anyone ever challenges you, see it as an opportunity to grow deeper in your faith. So that's one thing. Also, we encourage, I encourage you to share your faith. That was part of our conversation there. And then that, there's that element of faith in miracles even. And if you're someone who struggles with that, hey, I did too at one point in time. I prayed for an increase in faith and God gave it to me. I believe wholeheartedly now in that, kind of, that God can do that. Um, and if he doesn't, if someone's praying for a miracle and it doesn't seem to happen, it's only because God can bring something better out by not having the healing. Look at Jesus on the cross. He prayed multiple times, Father, take this away from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. And the Father had to allow him to go through that suffering and death so that he could redeem the world. If he didn't do that, then he could not have redeemed the world. So the Father only allowed it because he could bring about a greater good, which was the redemption of all humanity. So if you're suffering or you're in pain, and if, if God chooses to not heal that, I'm just here to tell you that God has God can bring out something better just by allowing it to continue. So hang in there even though it's difficult. So thank you guys for hanging into the uh, faith portion. I'd like to transition into our outdoors portion. And um, so Dave, I, I don't know if you had a place you wanted to start with this, but since we mentioned the book, um, how about talk to us even about the detail of your experience with calling deer before and after some of the tips. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not saying this to, to promote the book. Uh, it's just kind of It's a great book, though. It's so. unintentionally coming out here, but <laughs> this is the hunting book, um, How to Hunt Deer with Proven Success, a comprehensive guide to help bow hunters harvest bigger buck and more deer. Yep. And so um, I really poured uh, so much of my life into that book. I worked very hard on both of these books we talked about, harder than any book, uh, any of the other books I've written. And so anyhow, um, you had mentioned to me just today, because uh, we're on the map reading challenge, and we just did a sit. And Dave, unfortunately, you lost a part of or your whole grunt call. Yeah, or all, all the parts that work. Okay, <laughs> the working parts of the grunt call. So um, he was very distraught. Now tell us, explain to us the past, present, and future. Why were you distraught yeah, with the well, loss of that, that grunt call? That grunt call is my new secret weapon. I, uh, I, I've been hunting for about 10 years now. Yeah. And, and uh, the first four years, I didn't even I maybe saw one deer and, and that was about it. And I, and I would go out like two or three times a week. So okay. I, I was That's very a lot, unsuccessful, a lot of, effort, a lot of, a lot of yeah. perseverance, didn't get anywhere with yeah. it. But I figured one of these days, I'm gonna get a deer. And uh, eventually I did actually, I, we bought some property that, that our house is now on and we, I, that was where I got my first deer. Yeah. Um, and it just ran out in front of me and I was like, I guess it wants me to get this one. Yeah. And I took the shot and got it. So, you know, that, so that was exciting. But, um, but I didn't have anybody to mentor me. My father never hunted, you know, um, one of my uncles hunted, but I never, never really got much into it when I was younger. So I just decided one day, yeah, we'll start hunting. And so I did, I, I, I you know, read what I could and, and mm. uh, 
went out and and I had a guy who uh, who had did a lot of mentoring of me once I got to the point where I actually got my first tier. He he was pretty helpful. He was and were you mainly gun hunting at that time or were you? Uh, my, my first my first year was a uh, crossbow actually. Crossbow, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, after that it was and, and mostly other than the, the crossbow it was it was gun. I had I only got my bow license about uh, two years ago. Okay. So, but uh, but I had, like I said, I had a guy who was who was mentoring me, but he was primarily focusing on improving my habitat in my yard, in my, you know, my my property to encourage deer to be there so that I could hunt. But I really still felt like, you know, even with the mentoring, I felt like, you know, I just there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't make, you know, when I if I'm going to internalize something, I got to understand why you right. want to do something, not just do it this way. Right. And I really felt like I was not. Mm. Understanding, understanding yeah. like, what is the deer behavior here that's driving this? Why would you do this instead of that? Right. It, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. And then, and 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 that's pretty much. And, and I've I've been very successful. A couple of years, I got three deers, you know, three deer. Um, and uh, so I, but it was because I improved the habitat, and the deer came to where I was, and I was able to get them. But I was never able to. There was a lot of times when I would sit out in the stand. And I would see deer across the field from me, and I would just think, come on, deer, come over here, come over mm -hmm. here. But I didn't have any way to get them to come over. Right. So last year when I picked up your book, I started watching your YouTube uh, videos, and I picked up that book, and uh, I read through it, and I was like, wow, this explains so much that I had questions about. Mm. It really makes clear what the you know what the behavior of the deer is why the deer do this instead of that it, to me it was just a, a really mind-opening experience and I, my biggest regret was that i didn't read it until december of last year mm. so i didn't have a lot of chance to put it into effect mm. and uh, and actually december there was very few deer out there in my property yeah, so it was but uh but anyway uh so this year and I had a grunt call back then, and I used it, and I never saw a deer because of my grunt call. I, mm. I did use it for a couple of years, and I just kind of tossed it aside because mm. I never was able to make any anything happen with that. Right. And then I saw your YouTube, and I saw read your book, and 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 it all clicked to me. Okay, now I understand what you need to do and how you need to call those deer. And your series that you, the video series about that was really good. And it gave you, you could actually hear what it, what it sounded like and, and, oh, okay, now I know what to do. Since that happens, this season, pretty much every single hunt, I have called in deer with the grunt call. Mm. Amazingly. I mean, it, it just works. I mean, it's not every time. There's been a couple of hunts where right. I did, but it, the vast majority of them, uh, I've called, blind, you know, just blind calling. I've gotten deer to come in. Um, I have... Uh, you know, seeing deer off in the distance and got them to come in. One time I had a deer, a deer come in and uh, I was ready to take the shot and because I, I grunted and he came in and then he decided for whatever reason he was going to leave and I, I didn't have a broadside up until that point and he walked straight away from me so I didn't mm -hmm. have a broadside when he left. And I was like, oh man, I got him to come in and he, he's, not, he's not there. But I, I waited about five minutes and I grunted again and Came Five back. minutes later, came walking right back in, yeah. came, walked right in front of me, took the shot, but my bow wasn't tuned correctly. Oh, so yeah, I missed that's right. yeah, but your, <laughs> your timing went out. And uh, let me, uh, so first of all, thank you for sharing that. That's really awesome. And I want to make an important statement here about that bow because a lot of people who are getting into bow hunting, you need to know this. So 
especially when it's a new bow, and that's a new bow you just yes, got. It is, yeah. um, string and cables can stretch and, and frequently do. And when that happens, it can throw off the tuning of the bow and it can really make a massive impact on the trajectory of the arrow. So like I, the bow that I've been using lately, it's been driving me crazy. I, I have had to retune the bow after every hunt because I keep having stretch because they didn't make the, the cables correctly. And I'm, and I'm using a, you know, I'm, so anyhow, I don't wanna get all into that. My point though is for those of you who are listening, uh, especially if you're new, if you are shooting and then you know you go out hunting and you go shoot again and suddenly your arrows are hitting off especially low or high or you know low high high to the side that could be a result of some something some of the stretching going on and your timing is going out on your cams so everything needs to be retimed and everything else so this is something like that i personally prefer to get a bow in the spring and shoot it all summer so that everything's really That's broken in. It's, yeah, it's really <laughs> broken in by the time hunting season comes along. Now, this year, uh, I got thrown off of that because uh, my cable, I had a cable issue on the bow that I shot all of my deer with this year. And so I had to scramble. I, I put a different cable on, but in order to get the tuning done, it was, it was so far out that I was like, I, I don't have time. So I grabbed a different bow it was it's a it was a new bow that I hadn't used and I quick tuned it up and um, that's the one that keeps stretching on me. Yep, so yep. Um, anyhow, well, and just to give you the, mag the idea of the magnitude of the problem, I mean, I, when I first got the bow, I shot one of my fixed blade broadheads just to make sure it worked, mm -hmm. and it shot pretty much right where my field points had gone. Yep. So I said, good, we're good to go. And then I went out and hunted with it a few times, probably three, four or five times maybe went out there. And a couple, I took a couple of deer where I shot and I was like, how could I possibly have missed it? It was a you know, 15 yard right. shot. And I th maybe, I, maybe I hit a twig or something. Like I chalked it up to, you know, I must've yeah. hit something because it was, I just couldn't believe I missed right. it. You know, my shooting has gotten good now that I've read your, <laughs> your book. So I went in, uh, I, I said, well, let me go and check it out. I went in to my uh, to set up a target at 20 yards, took a shot with the field point, right smack on the money, took my shot with my fixed point broad, broad head, and I actually used two different ones because I had two different ones that I was using. Both of them were somewhere between eight and 12 inches low. Yep. So it was a big difference. That's enough yeah. to miss a deer. Yeah. And, uh, and then just to see what happens, I, I took a, a mechanical broad head, a, a, a Rage with, you know, with the yeah. expandable blade, and it fired the same as the field point. Yeah. So if you have a problem like this, at least you can use a, yeah. a field, you know, a, a mechanical blade to do that. It's, you know, I, I, I switched to fixed points after watching all of your videos. Yeah, I do saying, prefer it, it myself. It looks but, like it's a really good idea, but, but it does not fly. If it doesn't fly right because right. your bow's not tuned, then it's a right. problem. So. And so, and folks, if you've watched my videos this year, yeah, I've been using mechanicals this year too because the bow that I'm using, it, I could not, and. Most of you know, I do a lot of tinkering with bows. I've never been able to not get a bow to tune with broadheads, but this is the first bow. I couldn't get it to, to tune with fixed blades, so I had, it forced me to have to use mechanicals. Um, and so anyway, sometimes that's the case. Sometimes that happens, but I do very much prefer fixed if I can use them, but it, I'm just in a situation, I'm just trying to get through this season and then next year, going in next year, I'm gonna make some changes and hopefully get back to the fixed blade broadheads next year. But anyway, 
there is significance to the bow tuning, so uh, try to monitor that. And I like to get a few shots in before I go out hunting if it's possible. Whether I'm going, if I'm going, doing a morning hunt, like the, the afternoon before I go out, I try to take a couple shots. And I have a, um, I actually have, they don't, they used to, the Rage Broadheads used to come with a um, practice point. And I kept it from probably 10 years ago. And I, I shoot my fixed blade, uh, not, excuse me, not my fixed blade, I shoot my field point and then the um, practice rage point before I go out. And there are times where I've had the, the practice broadhead, rage broadhead, fly differently, and I've had to ad adjust the tuning. Even with a mechanical, you can have issues to where they're not flying the same. So anyhow, just wanted to um, bring that up for all of you out there just to keep, keep track of that as you're out there hunting and, and shoot your bow regularly, and if the tuning goes out, you know, either be prepared to do it or take it to somebody. So you got into a situation where you had to just set it down and pick up the crossbow. Now, we're, we're hunting in New York for this map reading challenge on public land, and New York does allow crossbows this time of year, and so that's perfectly legal, but not everyone has that um, option to switch to crossbow. So, you know, just, I actually try to keep a backup bow and that's actually what I'm using now is what, what was my backup bow, um, but not everyone has that luxury. So just try, try to keep up on it because you don't want to have like that situation with you, nice easy shot, but the arrow went way off and thankfully it was like a clean miss and not like a really poor hit. So, so, so you've had a great um, experience with the grunt call this year. You've learned a little bit about bow tuning, having yeah, you know, yeah. the issues with that. What are some other things, um, any other new uh, things in your hunting repertoire that you've incorporated this year uh, from in the past? Yeah, yeah, actually this year I started doing saddle hunting. Saddle hunting? Was, was quite nice. I really like doing that. I think it gives you a lot of flexibility and, mm -hmm. and uh, I think it's, uh, when I'm sitting in a stand, I always worry that the deer's gonna, gonna spot me and, and I've had multiple cases where, you know, they've walked right up and look right at me and yeah. I'm like, okay, I'm busted. Um, but uh, I find that with the, with the uh, saddle, you know, you're, you're behind the tree more, you're a little bit more hidden. And I've, I've had much better luck getting deer to walk by and not have them even know that I'm, I'm there. So yeah. that's really cool. And, you know, it's, it's comfortable. It's, I know it's you mentioned nice. uh, climbing sticks. What type of climbing sticks are, have you been using? Uh, I knew you were going to ask me. I should have, I should have, uh, not sure of the brand or anything. Uh, it doesn't really matter. I just didn't, I mean, there's so many options out there that yeah, nowadays. Yeah. Um, oh, mine, they're Hawk. Hawk. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they work fine. They're, they're, uh, probably a little heavy, but right. you know, but they're good that I got the longer ones with the three mm -hmm. steps yeah. and, uh, and then I put, uh, I put Ooh, eighters in the bottom. Yeah. yeah. So I get pretty high with them. That's so. Good. Okay, so folks, um, those of you who are watching right now, you don't know this, but our friend Andrew Penzi is also on the Map Ring Challenge. He is on the other side of this room, and he's already gone to sleep. <laughs> I'm amazed that he hasn't, he's been able to do that while we're recording this podcast. But I think we're going to tune out because we got to get to bed. We are getting up at 4-something in the morning to go on the next hunt for the Map Ring Challenge. So... Well, God willing, maybe we'll, we'll run into some deer tomorrow um, and hopefully we get some shots if that's what God wants. If not, we're going to learn. We're going to have, we're going to experience uh, the great outdoors and we're going to have stuff happen and we're going to learn from that. Because I personally, I mean, I've been hunting for probably, I don't even remember, 35 years. What am I up to? I don't know, for 37 years. 
long time. I've been bow hunting deer for a long time and I'm always learning stuff, always learning stuff. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this episode and I hope you'll stay tuned for future episodes. I'm actually um, going to cut this hunt short um, in a sense. It's, it's a short hunt where basically two days, um, which is not much time. And then I'm going to head to Erie, Pennsylvania to see a friend of mine who's going to also be in the next podcast. I have not seen this guy since college and I graduated in 1997 folks a long time ago. So um, I'm really excited to, this is my reunion tour. I went to my 30 year class reunion last night. I went to mass um, yesterday at the church I grew up going to where I went to St. Mary's in, in Schwenksville, Pennsylvania. And um, just so many great memories um, of all the people and everything. And I've just been feeling very grateful for all these relationships that God's blessed me with. And you guys are gonna have to stay tuned to see who's gonna pop up in the next episode. Until then, take care and God bless.